औरत के खूबसूरती के लिए हाइट चाहिए फाइव फीट फोर Smartest people I know in terms of intelligence, he's right up there. He did 
honours law, philosophy, I think he was ducks or one of the top at school. Um, also the same in Otago where he studied. He was looking at doing medicine as well at one point. He was gonna, he was looking at really rocking up the uni years, but he managed to leave uni and, and um, become a lawyer and then get a little bit, kind of have a bit of an epiphany and decide that he wanted to be a yoga teacher and end up doing yoga and gardening. And now he's actually turned into a counselor as well. So his journey's a real fascinating one for someone who's kind of smart enough to do anything to choose to garden and teach yoga at the Shivananda Center and then uh, to, to, to counsel people, I think is it's a really, kind of really inspiring it kind of paralleled my uh, transition from advertising to yoga to other things also and um, so we kind of shared a lot in common and the, the podcast before Vincent Belletta's he, he talked about a great teacher is a great observer of his students and Darren's kind of a great observer of himself in particular I noticed he's very thorough with how he kind of analyzes his own life and in terms of diet and happiness and mannerisms and he's actually sent me an excel document which i'll include into the worksheet into the show notes because it's kind of summarizes his day and week and approach to food and how to deal with emotions and things that come up and his goals and books he's reading and it's a really cool way to break down your week so i think his approach to life is really cool and uh <laughs> how he got there is quite fascinating it's quite quite interesting so that's a pretty informal one, as I said, it was the first one. Just kind of decided to, but I didn't have the mic, so we just threw down the iPhone and just to start to, start to record a chat. And uh, so, yeah, it's quite varied, but um, he's, a, he's a smart guy and, and some of his, uh, there's some beautiful insights in there. And I'm talking quite quietly, but I'm actually super pumped at the moment. Um, it's about one in the morning. Had some fish sliders at Depot, a nice bike ride, a few cups of tea, and now uh, that banana bread and chia seed stuff. But um, just started to feel healthy again after a few days, actually a couple of weeks of the flu and falling off my bike. And man, it feels like a new lease of life. Life is good. I'm kind of like whispering with excitement so I don't wake the flatmates up, screaming and shouting and doing a Tom Cruise on the dinner table here. But um, that's the kind of feeling I've got at the moment. And uh, one of my mates just sent me a text out saying how he enjoyed a yoga session we did the other day and just really made my day. So if uh, there's someone out there that's it's that kind of time of year, isn't it, for just saying thanks and you know you can really make someone's day, their week, just by one little word or text or anything, man. It's 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 amazing the change it can make. Like for me, it actually just gave my teaching everything I was doing that kind of that extra oomph that 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 little bit of lift um, you know the universe provided or a friend provided in the form of a text and uh, I kind of want this to be a bit of a thank you to Darren so it's taken a while for me to get out out there because for some reason there's part of you that's kind of ashamed of the first and uh, actually not speaking for you there's nothing you should be ashamed about but there's part of me that <laughs> has a tendency the ego to be a little bit ashamed of the first one podcast or maybe because it's not a celebrity name or but it's not really what, what it's about for me it's kind of the honest the, the raw the rough kind of the uncut the first the, you know the first podcast I think it's as uh, interesting as the last hopefully and it will be kind of sounding like a metaphor for sex almost 
first one certainly interesting. If, uh, probably unforgettable in every way. But uh, it's got to happen. Got to start with one. So uh, here it is, the first podcast with all its flaws, nuances and mistakes and a little bit of hidden wisdom threaded between the cups of tea and sips on the, not sips on the cracker, or the toast. Bite to the toast. Um, so enjoy, hope you dug it. Hope there's uh, some words of wisdom in there. I know there is, Darren's a very uh, smart guy. Um, just from that opening little quote, that piece about careers, finding, ditching the idea of career, just finding something that makes you feel alive, I think. Oh, that's a good one. Nice quote by a nice guy. Enjoy. Without further ado, rambling in the night. Here we go. Darren Smith, the yogi, to enlighten us all. Enjoy. Yes! Yogi? That's right! Thank you! What do you think of that toast? Got some coconut oil instead of butter on there. Did it for, da- did it for daddy, didn't even know. He was like, oh, that was good. And then, and then the next day he was like, crucifying me for putting it on his toast. I'm like, you had it the other day and you didn't even notice. <laughs> yeah, so it's, it's interesting that. Yeah, living with just one person is a shame. Being married, living with one person, not having. Is that? Yeah, that sense of community and sense of different people. Always coming to your life and bring different energy. Energies and different thoughts and different perspectives. I guess we would start, start at the start, I'm talking about, um, like from that transition from, well why Lord to begin with, I guess, out of school. Kind of told various stories about why I chose to do law. <laughs> One is that I kind of wanted to feel that I understood what was going on in the world and I thought law would help do that. Mm. So kind of a control based thing, I guess. And another one was that I saw an episode of The West Wing where Josh said, um, who's the political advisor to the president, the president needed legal supported a like a hearing type thing and Josh said, Oh, I can do that on my die. So I thought that was pretty cool. Mm. And it's quite funny to think back in retrospect on why you do what was the catalyst for some decision making. I've had just people quip something and then that's been the motivation to do, mm. go against it or to make kind of life altering 
decision often just comes back to like one little moment. And it's like those moments are happening all the time, like what? You know, like this first podcast maybe could be that. <laughs> same, <laughs> same, same kind of thing, you never know. So yeah, Law and Dunedin, which I guess is probably the best place to do it. Best place to be a student in New Zealand. Mm. Yeah, I'd originally planned on going down to Wellington. But then only one friend got into, because I got accepted into Warehouse. And only Sam got accepted into Warehouse. And everyone else was kind of scared around the place. But, like, I think five other people from Voice I got accepted into Knox. Mm. Wendell was a big draw card. <laughs> so I thought, I might not meet another person like Wendell. Mm. And, yeah, he went because his brother went to Knox. And the things his brother said to Wendell, and then Wendell told me, and the things that Wendell said he was going to do at university, sounded pretty funny. So, so I went down to Dunedin. Yeah, because I think about it now. Like my sister didn't exchange overseas and left all her friends behind, and was obviously would always be devastated and homesick while she's away, and then she'd come back and just be wanting to be overseas. And I think my decision making was a bit the same, like people going where can I do something that's familiar mm. and have it have a good time rather than now I'd probably I'd see the benefits equally of just going to a completely foreign situation and being like how interesting or how good that, that could be for you especially as a young person to be exposed to that or to do an exchange for six months at university like and the value of that's pretty it's hard to put a price on it yeah, I still kind of find the idea of going somewhere by myself when no one knows me frightening mm. so I've got no kind of background or no story coming with me I'd have to create a new story you know I think because I, I haven't really done it either so maybe if you've done it once then you know like recently I just had one trip, that trip to Bali where I wasn't really travelling with family or friends, it was I had a few weeks there where I didn't really know what I was doing and and then you meet people and you realise how good it can be but I guess I'm a lot more open to it now but yeah, it's totally can be difficult well, yeah, scary Starting fresh, and then St. Dunedin, what was it? What was it like? Good. I I <laughs> loved Dunedin. I had a very good time. <laughs> well, even then you were getting into, you went vegan in Dunedin, didn't you? No, I went. I went vegetarian in my third year. Was that from Wendell? Was that from anyone? No. I was the first to go. <laughs> was tr- um, one of the one of the one of my other friends from the hall was a vegetarian, and I really respected him. 
but I'm not sure if that had any influence on my decision. Before I went vegetarian, I'd I'd been over in Thailand, so I guess I've been reading, and I'd read like um one of those little, you know, like the like the Bibles they live in Western hotels, but like that they they do the same thing when they leave a Buddhist book in mm. Eastern hotels. So I'd read that read that when I was in Thailand. But another thing was. <laughs> I was flirting with Jono and I didn't want to cook with Jono. <laughs> <laughs> oh, <that's> so good. <laughs> based on based on no good reasons, I just don't want to do it. <laughs> I'd convince myself it would be bad. Uh, and, and that by being a vegetarian, then I'd have a, a definite excuse <laughs> for being able to just cook by myself. Uh, yeah. Yeah, that's good. <laughs> I like that. And then, but I mean, you lost a lot of weight from it, didn't you? And you were still playing hockey at the time. I wasn't playing hockey then. Mm. I all the year before, but I played hockey the year after. Mm. Before I went vegetarian, I weighed 87 kgs and I was very heavy. Mm. And then I got down to about 72 while I was a vegetarian. And I was eating healthily, but I was not eating variety. Mm. What would have been like a standard dish? So pretty much every day I had the same thing. <laughs> <laughs> I think I had like home homemade granola for breakfast. Yeah. Then at lunchtime, I think I would have one piece of toast with a fried egg, and then a sandwich with I don't know various bits and pieces of normal mm. like salady type sandwich, and that would be it. That'd be my lunch. So three bits of bread, some salad, and an egg. Don't know if I'd have afternoon tea. I don't think I bought any fruit because it was expensive, or I perceived it as being yeah. expensive. Um, I mean, every night dinner would be, I think it was, I'm not sure if it was always rice, it might have been, it was always some kind of a grain, but always lentils with tomato and onion and mushrooms, because that's what mum had taught me to cook. <laughs> well, she taught me a few things, but that was the easiest thing, so yeah. I just did that every night. Uh, And I'm and you're feeling good on it? Or? I didn't feel hungry. I didn't exactly feel weak physically. I didn't feel drained or anything. Mm. But I did have friends asking me if I was eating enough. <laughs> that I thought I was because I've kind of read nutrition books and I thought I was getting all the kind of things I needed but I probably just wasn't getting enough energy or protein so mm. it's kind of a quantity thing yeah I think everyone's kind of different how how they operate and metabolize it and like I think I probably have 
maybe similar meals, but often I'll smash a lot of smoothies and dates and be snacking through the day the whole time. I don't really think about it, but that's probably where I'm getting a lot of extra energy from. And if it was just a regimented kind of three meals a day, I'd probably be struggling, I think. Yeah. And then you switched back, didn't you? So I was a vegetarian for two years. And then I ate. Went to Australia for a summer. Followed the girlfriend back to where she lived. And her parents cooked meat, so I ate meat. <laughs> it was just because it was easy. I think I still made vegetarian food when I cooked myself, I'm pretty sure. And then, um. And then, oh no, hang on. Oh no, that was just, that was the summer in between the two years of being vegetarian. Yeah. So I was vegetarian, there's that summer, I ate a little bit of meat, then I was vegetarian for another year. And then what happened? <laughs> what did happen? And then you're finishing, you're doing law and philosophy. And law. Well, you've got law honours and. And then you're also teaching tutoring philosophy, weren't you? Or law. Yeah, I tutored philosophy as well. I mean, I tutored four. I tutored them both. Hmm. And that was a lot of fun. It was fun, fun trying to teach kids. And it also made me more passionate about a subject like law, which I didn't think I was particularly passionate about. Hmm. That's the thing I've noticed when, te when you're teaching, you get more from it than your students almost. Like you get, I'm more excited just because the opportunity to teach or to see them excited. Something about sharing, sharing what you know and people like loving it or wanting to listen to it, which is quite cool. Mm. I remember you telling me a story about that girl too. It was some hot girl in your class and you couldn't, Answer her questions, you had to let the class answer it or something? I did have difficulties with the couple of hot girls. <laughs> I think one, I didn't ask any questions. <laughs> so I didn't want to look in her way because she always had quite low cleavage. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, which is funny, and I guess in yoga, there's certain positions and it is quite hands-on if you're assisting and stuff and but I've noticed more and more the people who make it awkward make it awkward like the people mm. who don't and Xander a friend who was going for a handshake and you're so solid there's just no way you're getting out of it and it was it just kind of broke the ice in every situation because you're so commanding mm. yeah and I've noticed when you, when you think and you just kind of sitting there thinking about the like your intention is that you're worried about how it could be misconstrued or misconstrued that just comes across because you've thought about it like mm. and then I think the thing about um, the value of teaching is an important thing because mm. like when I was tutoring law, I was just rereading the same things I'd read when I was a first year student. 
which I found really boring. Mm. But when I was reading it with a different approach, you know, what can I get from this material to engage the students, you know? Mm. How can I convey this in a way that stimulates them in some way? Then doing it with the idea of, um, I guess, kind of assisting others in some kind of a way. So the learning wasn't for myself, but I was doing it for others, but I learned more myself. Yeah. yeah. That's... Yeah, I think we were talking about that earlier, about when you're doing it for someone else, we you think you're going to affect or inspire someone else. But... I don't have got more motivation in your... That selfless service that benefits both things. Because mm. I've been the same when I want to learn. I want to do something to inspire someone else or for something outside of my own own reasons and and there's an extra motivation to do it. Oh, that's cool. So, yeah, I didn't realise you enjoyed the teaching that much. Um, yeah, that's cool. Yeah. And same kind of thing... When I first started te to teach yoga, I had a different approach to, I you know, I've been doing the same postures every day for quite some time. But on the day when I was to teach that evening, I'd be thinking more in the posture, that, oh yeah, how does this feel? Mm. What, can I, what can I say to the students, you know, what's actually going on? And so it kind of improved my depth of practice by... Focusing on yeah, how I could convey this kind of different course material to mm. slightly different students. Yeah, because yeah, you have to teach from that place too. If you don't, you haven't done that posture yourself, mm. and yeah, you got to teach from how you feel and how you how you interpret it. Eh, that to get like just to read a book and to say it out of the book, it's not going to land. Mm. Yeah, it'd be like if I turned up in the tutorial and just read a print off. Yeah. Which is kind of what actually happened when I did my yoga course. One of the lecturers just read class notes. Well, yeah, I went to an Iyengar class. That one, it was actually really good. I won't name who it was, but she's a really good teacher. But she was reading, obviously, BKS. Iyengar passed away recently and she's really into him. And she was just reading excerpts from his book and just kind of leaving the class going to the side and just reading about what he had said about this pose and it was really it was a bit forced and a bit it kind of disrupted the flow of the class and it was just paraphrased it just kind of washed over my head and yeah it, whereas her opinion or when she was just teaching and acting normally it was so much more mm. engaging mm. and and it's even just the her looking down at a piece of paper, it was like suddenly she's closed off and it's it's like I'm in a lecture theatre now and I'm like waiting for something interesting to happen, like just start zoning out. Mm. I, I think that's you wanna have people's own interpretation or their own story, not not someone else's. You can really tell when someone knows what they're teaching. And mm. Some people are very good at just winging it. 
but yeah, usually if they're doing it, they have some kind of energy or some kind of passion that can, and that's what allows them to do the wonging. Mm. Yeah, dry reading or yeah, dry teaching. And then so. Was any highlights at the end? You grad, because you graduated with the law, law and philosophy honors. Yeah, yeah. So I finished law, then I had half a year or a bit of a year off. I went to China to see Clint. Mm. Went over there with a friend from uni. Then came back midway through the year and did my philosophy honors year, like from the middle of the year to the middle of the year. Yeah, that was that was interesting. I lived in two different flats during that time. Um, one flat was full of doctors, and that was fun for a little bit. <laughs> you spoke about doing medicine at one point, eh? Yeah, yeah, and they got me inspired to do. I I thought I wanted to do medicine because they told good stories, and they were quite enthusiastic about what they were doing. And they seemed to be having a good time, but they were also just very, very smart people and were able to get by without doing much work. Yeah. Yeah, one of the things that I think I read, like, in um, an ER, like, intake report or something by a doctor that one of them gave to me. It sounded really interesting what this, this ER doctor had to say. But thankfully I decided not to do that. <laughs> That would have been a... You'd still be gone, probably, wouldn't you? I think I would be. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so... And then you came... After graduating, you got the job back in Taranaki yeah. teaching law. Is that what... Did you intend to do law? Mm. Practice law? No, so... Originally, I was going to go to Christchurch because that's mm. where my girlfriend... That's where Sophie's from. Mm. And then we broke up, and I sat at home doing nothing for about a month, I think. I actually, no. Oh, no, I had started applying for jobs in New Plymouth before we broke up. Because it, it was going that way. <laughs> <laughs> and then so I applied for one job at Quebec Quilliam, and I didn't, I didn't get that one. They hired... Um, What's her name? Tenant. Oh, Jimmy Tenant. Uh, Jimmy yeah. Tenant. Um, and then I broke up with Sophie, and then I was back at home. And I was doing nothing. I thought, well, I might as well apply for the doll. <clears throat> so I had all the forms filled out. I just needed to put them in the post. And I thought, oh, all right, I better do it. So I did a CV drop at the law firms around town. And two of the law firms were interested. One of them gave me a job on a handshake, and another one offered me a job a couple of days later. So that was an awkward situation. <laughs> <laughs> and I'd also had um, an interview lined up to fly up to Wangarag to work with, well, not, I think it was just the Ministry of Justice. So I kind of had three things all going at the same time. And I found it quite difficult to choose between those three. Mm. But thankfully, um, I was on Facebook to Fraser after I'd accepted the job on the handshake and he told me that I should not take that job <laughs> and it was definitely the right advice. So... Because Fraser's dad's... Previous 
lawfare. Like, yeah. He'd, he'd moved on mm. by himself. Yeah. So then I started working as a lawyer. <laughs> and. What was that transition like? Was it. I found it a piece of cake going from yeah. studying really hard to working really not much as a lawyer. Yeah. Because when you start, you're not able to do much, so you're just kind of sitting in an office, mm. trying to learn as much as you can. And those skills at uni were applicable, and it's just all new again. No, not really. Yeah. No. <laughs> the mindset, you know, you take this. They take the same mindset, but I think how you practice as a lawyer depends quite a lot on who you learn from. Mm. And my supervising partner was very good. Yeah. And what what type of law? Yeah, commercial and property mainly, mm. but because it's a provincial law firm, all, so, all kinds of bits yeah, and pieces, law, heard law, you... laws and trusts, and buying and selling houses. Mm. And then I remember you telling me you, you could get like your day's work done in like a couple of hours, and then and then I don't know what kind of hang out for a bit. And I've heard people. I've heard quite a few people say that too. Yeah, the workflow was kind of seasonal, and January was really slow. Yeah. Uh, one, one January. Might even have been my second January, which was concerning. So <laughs> with a year experience, I think I charged eight hundred dollars worth of my time during January, which is what I would at the end of the when I f- in my last month of working there. I'd be charging more than that every day. <laughs> <laughs> well, it's what you do in the spare time. It's just jobs that are in the office, kind of, they're not chargeable. I'd look out the window. <laughs> <laughs> I'd spend a lot of time on the internet. Um, I'd look up places to run when I was running. Mm. I'd look up places to cycle when I was cycling or to tramp. Email friends, do a lot of that. <laughs> it was so boring. Those were the hardest times when I had nothing to do. And then, so that was like two years, and then we were thinking about getting out of it. Or were you just going to keep working your way up? And was there a plan, or was it just pay the bills, get running? I didn't see my future where I was, but I didn't see my future anywhere else at that time. Mm. And yeah, so just kind of going with it, not really having a good time. Work was okay, but I was struggling to entertain myself outside of work. So that's when I was doing lots of exercise. And I was also still living at home. <laughs> but yeah, things, when I started doing, <coughs> when I got serious with yoga and started doing lots of yoga, then that's when I started to think, okay, you know, I'm going to do something else. Mm-hmm. There's, there's some kind of a happy future somewhere. When mm-hmm. I finish this job, there's a, there's a happy future somewhere out there. Because yeah. you got, ha- did your mum expose you? You went to class with mum, didn't you? Yeah. yeah. It's funny because I'm the same, but um, 
And that was at the Shivananda. Mm. And then did we like depressed or low or because your brother he was a bit up and down then too wasn't he uh, at that time I'd say I guess had kind of a normal you know normal working person's mindset mm. go to work do the job trying to entertain myself doing various things I wasn't finding it particularly satisfying but mm, I've been depressed at university, but at, while I was working, I guess I had lots of distractions. Mm. And yeah, because I, I, when I think Harry and Dad were sick, and I came back and living at home, and then kind of things getting into an okay situation with the family, and then, but you're just taking days off, really, eh? You're not. I don't know, I feel like a couple of years just were a blur. I can't remember what happened and I think it's quite interesting how you can get into a place where you're just, just okay. Mm-hmm. Like, yeah. You're not getting, like I said, there's enough distractions to keep you from mm-hmm. mind wandering to be like, there's got to be something else. There's yeah, that's kind of the thing. Like I had all these dreams that... Somehow, uh, one of my dreams was that I'd own a farmlet. You know, that was so that's where my mind was living. Yeah, it's living in way, way like you know, 30 years, <laughs> 30 years down the future. Yeah, so and so having that kind of a hope and those distractions that's because depression's kind of the or the kind of depression I had was like a lack of hope. Mm. So, while I had those hopes in the forms of distractions and not being present, not being alive now. It's kind of funny. That's helped me from not being depressed. Yeah. yeah. That's that is quite interesting. You, that you're living twenty years ahead. And just working towards that, and then what happens when you get that? Yeah. It's like, is uh, is that what you wanted in the end, or does it change along the way, and then you like lost? Like that uh, hunter. Oh, the writer mm-hmm. Hunter yeah, S. Thompson, and who said. You know, do you put a kind of mark in the land or do you just, do, why would you set a goal when you know you're going to change by the time you get there? It's like that goal should be moving to where you're, Mm. where you're developing. And so I've always kind of struggled with goals, like to say I'm going to do this in a year or three years. It's like, I don't know what I'm going to do tomorrow. (laughs) And I guess they do have some purpose, but yeah. Yeah, I found because each each Christmas when I come home from uni and have the have the family get-togethers, uncles and aunties would ask me what I was going to do after university, and each year I'd tell them a different story. <laughs> <laughs> this it's funny that there's this expectation that you will know what you're going to do, and I kind of felt that for some reason I should know what I want to do. But it's for, but it was for other people, isn't it? I always felt it was... Yeah, I guess you're like, you're told you're this kind of person, yeah, you're going to be... Yeah. You're creative, you're going to be this, you're a lawyer, you're going to be a partner one day or... Mm. Yeah. And it's like a scripted... It's like some kind of script you have to tell 
so much so much conversation is it it's just not real it's like uh, it's almost like the Facebook of conversation like you're just presenting this image all the time mm. yeah like a, yeah, it's a list of labels to tag to myself what, mm. I'm being, what I'm going to be doing doing at some future time what my career is I was reading uh, I, was, I was reading this um reading A History of Western Philosophy by Bertrand Russell and he talks about David Hume and David Hume says <coughs> he says that there's no kind of there's no such thing as uh, you know who you are as a separate object you're having a thought now you're going to have a th- and then you have another thought and then you have another thought and there's no kind of you know there's no kind of personality personality that is you all there is is these you know this train of thoughts there's one thought there's another thought yeah, that isn't you. And, yeah, it doesn't really even make sense to say that even the Dharma can... It's just like a series of one thing, then another thing, then another thing. But it feels like I heard someone say that you're not defined by your thoughts or your actions or... It's like, does that really define who you are? Is there a similar... Way of summarizing it. I guess he's saying that there's no real such thing as a personality that, and the kind of the kind of thing that you know I am what I'm thinking right now. That's it. Mm. I'm not what I thought a moment ago. I'm not mm. the person I was a year ago. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, being attached to. To what's happened in the past or what you're meant to be in the future. It's strange that you cannot be right where you are. So then, where were we at? You were at, um, just starting into yoga. And then you quit quit to become an instructor mm. <laughs> yeah, it's uh, one of the reasons I started doing so much yoga was because of injuries but another reason was that I wanted to do something that would be long term beneficial and I thought that yoga would be that mm. in terms of you stop doing exercise for a while then your body you know readjusts to not being fit but if you stop if you stop doing stretches, obviously you'll slowly stiffen up. The kind of mindset that goes with practicing yoga will hopefully hang around in some sense. And so that's what I thought, you know, by doing this, I'm still going to carry with me this increased peace, even if I was to stop. But my teacher likes to say that once you've gone a certain, certain distance down, down the path, there's no turning back. Mm. I think that's... That's so true, I to just do it to stretch, like it was an excuse to stretch, I'm not going to stretch if I don't have that discipline of a yoga practice or, but just feeling so much better from it and then, yeah, now I couldn't imagine not doing it weekly, like mm. it would be, you'd just be going backwards so quickly mm. and yeah, like... 
Rich, Rich Rell was talking about the momentum and going forward or backwards. Um, you're never really standing still. And yoga always felt like you're going forward. You always felt like you're going in the right direction somehow. But then when did you decide to teach from... So one one a big thing for me is always have, has been having or well, finding a person that I admired. Mm. Um, so when I was down in England, it was this fellow that was a vegetarian. His name was Joe. So I admired him. I thought, you know, since I was about twenty, very rarely have I thought I'd rather be somebody else other than myself. But these were people that you know, mm. Joe was someone I thought, oh yeah, I, I wouldn't mind being him. Yeah, that'd be alright. <laughs> Um, and then my yoga teacher was another person like that, someone that I respected. Um, <clears throat> you know, very disciplined and, you know, you know, I just liked his approach to things. Was that Ram? Yeah. Yeah. And then, so I guess I just wanted to copy what he had been doing because I saw, because I, like, yeah, I liked what he was doing, so I wanted to copy what he was doing, so that's mm. why I became a teacher. Yeah. And then you did training in... How did you choose India? So... Two main things. Time of year and cost. <laughs> so I wanted to go in June, because I like being away during my birthday, for some reason. <laughs> and then... The place that I went to was the cheapest I could find to do the Shivananda training. Mm. There was, so there was also one in Australia at a different time of year, but that would have cost cost more to go to than flying to India and doing it over there. So I thought, well, I'm going to go to India so that I won't be around just Australians. <laughs> yeah, there's something with yoga training too you feel like it can't be in your own backyard or I feel like I'm, I don't know it's just me but was was that part of the appeal to go to India yeah I guess yeah. so um, students certainly seem to be impressed when I say we <laughs> so went to India and I'm like well one of the te the main teacher flew in from Canada and the other person that was the teacher was was useless so <laughs> I actually would have been better just learning off my teacher and your plumber. Yeah. yeah. That's, that's funny with... It was the same in advertising if someone came back from New York or in a creative industry, if someone came back from New York or London, just that they'd been to New York or London, they, mm. it didn't matter. They were like automatically promoted mm. or a more senior position. And it seemed to be all the creative, creative directors were all English people or people who come here from London. None of them were... And just hung around in New Zealand the whole time. But, yeah, that's interesting that you're training. Because you had to do quite a bit of work. And there wasn't much else to do at the centre, at the ashram either. Uh, there was quite a bit of free time. The days were pretty structured. But the coursework I found easy because I'd kind of previously been exposed to everything. A lot. Some people were kind of quite new to, mm. or, com or completely new to yoga. But yeah, I'd, I'd learned a lot of it from, from Ram. So we had to do homework, but I could do that very quickly. <laughs> <I'm> <laughs> it was very, you know, so I spent a lot of time 
not being able to go anywhere really physically because it was really hot. There's only really one walk that was a, in a, a nice place to go and I just sort of had like a really bruised foot. Mm. So it wasn't really comfortable to walk. So I ended up spending a lot of time in the dorm. There wasn't really much outside space. And in the dorm, it's an old boys dorm and there's lots of negative talk. So it wasn't really a positive environment. <laughs> Were there any good people you're friends with from the course still? Everyone was nice. Um, I was quite quiet at that time. I because I'd been prior to going, I'd been very disciplined, and one of the main disciplines was disciplining my speech. So I wanted, I pretty much always wanted to speak positively, which sometimes made it quite difficult to say anything. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so I was quite quiet. People, I don't know. I think I made an impression on people because I was quite quiet. But I didn't really I one of the I generally found that I take quite a while to make friends, especially to make new friends. Mm. And when I'm just there by myself as well. Rather than having other friends telling these other people how good I am. Yeah. It takes it takes me a while to open up to people. Mm. And because I no longer really try to impress people, I kind of have a different approach, I guess. So yeah, it takes even longer. Mm. It's it's strange when you what people do to go out to to make friends, and then it's often quite an extroverted thing. Well, it's easy to drink and then be jovial and then to into situations with people but if you're not one of those those kind of instigator people I guess it just takes time and proximity and it's it's always amazed me that you find I often end up being really good friends with people who like even yourself for example that you just end up being in the same location and then you see each other more and more and then and then before you know it, it's you've got a deeper level of friendship just through proximity. Not yeah. Yeah, I think that's the main thing. Just seeing a person regularly. Yeah. Like in Dunedin, I'd there'd be people that I'd see at parties. I go to the same parties with them. And I'd see them like once a week, and you'd talk rubbish once a week, but you wouldn't have a relationship. Yeah. You know? And then even, yeah. I'm, and I'm finding the same kind of thing at the moment. I'm not not living with this worry. Only, like I've only seen her once this week. And it just doesn't... The conversation's not the same. It just found like more like maintenance rather than... Yeah. Than a continuation, you know. You know, you catch up for the week. You, you know, you have a catch up. You don't actually have a. Yeah, and it's just that update of what's been happening. There's not that that spontaneous kind of talk or that. It takes a bit, a little while to get below the day to day chores and 
Yeah. And I've often found that the, the best way to get to know people is to be doing kind of just inane tasks with them. Mm. Like, you know, doing the dishes and something where you're forced together and then you just you just talk without actually sitting down and having a conversation. Yeah. So that's why you get you to become good friends with workmates or flatmates because you're just doing that stuff all the time, like and it's just real. It's like you can't Yeah, you're not always trying to put on a brave face while doing the dishes, you're just mm. being who you are. Yeah, and yeah, sitting around waiting for dinner at the flat, you know. You're kinda of stuck there. <laughs> you're just <laughs> waiting. Yeah. That, I think that real really realised how many connections are actually real or there's how many friends you just pay lip service to. Yeah. And uh Yeah. So it's only with like you say time or or living or working with someone where it, where it becomes a bit easier. That's, that's why it's nice when things like cycling or mm. running or like I've played a lot of golf, you really get to know someone you're out there on four hours and you're just talking between shots or you know, having a coffee after a long ride and it's like, yeah, you get to know someone properly. Breaks down a few barriers. And then so the course finished and then you came back and just started teaching straight away. Yeah, so I was <clears throat> just teaching once a week. Um, so I would... Oh, because you're still working as a lawyer. Yeah, 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 so I'd go to... I still go into the classes as a student myself. I'd go to a class <coughs> on a Monday. I'd teach on a Tuesday. They had... There was satsang on a Wednesday. We had to satsang. And then... Thursday morning I went to Satsang, Thursday night I head off, Friday morning I went to Satsang, Friday night I went to a class, actually on Monday night I didn't go to a class, I think I was teaching, oh I had hockey or something, I had hockey on a Monday, yeah. And the Satsang for people is? It's, um, 30 minutes of meditation, sometimes Ram would do like a short introduction to mm. you know what you would do for your practice people that hadn't been before um, and then about 30 minutes of um, chanting or mm. you're chanting mantras Graham would play the harmonium and you can bang away on instruments normally normally on the Thursday morning it would just be sometimes it would just be Ram and me if there were, when there are other teachers there as well other yoga teachers staying at the centre they would be there as well mm. there would normally be more there would normally be other people on the Wednesday and the Friday but I quite enjoyed it when it was just Ram and me. Yeah. Do you enjoy that more than the yoga? Or just different? I, I, I found that was kind of like the most important thing to yeah. get me going. Um, and when I was working as well, I'd look forward to the end of the week because that was where I'd get the most energy from going to satsang mm. on you know, Wednesday and Thursday and Friday. And I'd, especially the Thursday and Friday mornings, I'd, go to, I'd be going to work pumped. Mm. Yeah. And then... And then it started affecting how you did your work. Because you, I remember you talking about how you started walking to work, just not worrying about what you had to do, just looking at the trees and just enjoying the walk. 
Yeah, so I could do that until I got out of the park. And then when I got out of the park, I'd start thinking about work, typically. Yeah. Um, probably... I mean... don't know how much it affected my work. I probably was more productive. Probably was more relaxed. But it's kind of that hard to put a, mm. you know, a, a measure on those kinds of things. But then you kind of knew it was going to come to an end. Were you already thinking about quitting to teach full time or? No, so I. I've been, I was keeping a journal at the time and I think I was kind of writing, you know, something's going to come along. I'm waiting, yeah. I'm waiting for it to come <laughs> along. Um, yeah, and that's when Ram, Ram said that he was looking at moving down to Queenstown and asked me if I'd look after the centre while he was away. And then I thought, and then I, he, so what was going to, there was about two weeks when I didn't know what was going to happen, whether he was going to actually take this job or not. Mm. And he still hadn't been offered the job, and he was supposed to be leaving in six weeks, or no, even less, in like f five weeks or four weeks. I think it was five weeks. Oh, no, it was six weeks. But he hadn't been offered the job, and so I kind of needed to quit in case he did get the job, so I could learn from him before he left, mm. while giving my month's notice. And then one night he said to me, if you do quit your job, what's the worst that could happen? <laughs> <laughs> and then that kind of answered, solved my problem for me. Yeah. But it's kind of difficult, it's kind of a similar situation as I'm in now. I was quitting my job and people didn't understand why, and I wasn't really able to, so I, oh, I wasn't really able to say I'm going. I'm taking over this yoga centre. It's like, oh, I might be taking over this yoga centre. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, but was, you kind of knew it was the right thing to do. And the yeah, the only thing, only issue I had was that I wouldn't be working with my. I felt like I kind of leave my supervising partner down yeah. a bit because he had spent so much time training me. Yeah. So I had loyalty to him, but other than that. Mm. In terms of career, my idea was that, you know, careers are over now. I don't want to have a career. You know, I want to, I want to have some kind of a life, or yeah, you know, I want to be alive while I'm working. Yeah, that's yeah, it's weird that a career is a. It's almost like a game. Mm. You play. I don't know where the finish is. Like what, what do you get at the end of it? And um. I talked to one guy soon after I became a yoga teacher and he said, oh, so a new career? And I said, no. This <laughs> isn't a career. <laughs> yeah. It's just something you kind of enjoy doing and it happens to pay, help pay the bills all going well. And when I did quit and become a yoga teacher, I was almost determined to try and make everyone I knew quit their job. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. 
I think whenever you discover something that's working really well for you, it's like you just you want everyone else to experience it. We just uh, what I yeah, what well, kind of what I want. I want. I'd found that there was another way. You know, it was kind of a special situation for me that I was able to look after a yoga center next year and some money. But the idea was that yeah, I wanted people to. You know, some people are stuck. They have a mortgage and they have kids. They can't quit their job, or if they do, they have to find another one somewhere else. But yeah, I want to just. I want. It just seems like it's a trap, and I want. I want to see people. That you don't have to stay in the trap. I guess yeah, I'm the same in that kind of fortunate position where there's no. Had family support and. Like, yeah, I couldn't imagine with kids and family and, and having mm. to pay those extra stresses. Um, and that becomes more of a trap. Like, you just got so much more to lose, and it's. Yeah, it's tough. But, um. Oh, it's cool, and then you enjoyed the teaching. Because I'm. I don't know when I found. I hadn't. I think I was living in Auckland, I came back and I heard you were a teacher and I was like, that was kind of out of the blue. <laughs> One day, I didn't even know you had done any yoga before, but mm. when you're teaching <laughs> it, yeah. Yeah, so, it took me a while to get used to teaching, because when I first started, I still, well, physically, I wasn't in the greatest shape, because I'd come back from India very small. Mm. And there were students that were better than, that were more flexible than me, and so I kind of felt challenged a little bit by that. But it's just kind of an experience thing, um, you know. Confident, you don't just. It's difficult to do something for the first time with confidence straight away, mm. and especially like running a business where I'm the face of the business and I'm a yoga teacher, and I haven't done much teaching and I'm not hugely flexible then it was I found it difficult to be confident at first but then mm. slowly 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 got more confident and especially teaching beginners helped me build a lot of confidence <coughs> because they were beginners yeah. <laughs> and yeah but from the start yeah I always enjoyed teaching always felt better after teaching a class yeah that was a good point though because I think you think you're not good enough so you're not as confident but you're just doing yourself and everyone a disservice mm. and I've been in classes where I'm teaching and I, I, you don't really want to shine because you think it's not your place or you, you're not quite ready for it but or you're just you're disempowering yourself and everyone else for no for no reason you got to like you said, just do it and do it the best you can and then whatever happens, happens. Eh? And mm. I think you talked about the Tony Robbins thing about how he just didn't just speak or do it. Whatever he decided he wanted to do, he's just going to do it all the time and get good from just doing it. Yeah, yeah. So I think he said that most speakers would speak like 40 times a year and he, yeah. was, he was speaking three times a day. <laughs> <laughs> I, I think you told me that when I first came back, I'm like, well, I'm going to try and teach twice a day. Like, three times a day and even if people don't turn up I'm just going to take a class and I think there's a, there's a real truth in that you, nothing can be gained 
by thinking only through experience can you really learn how to get better at it and uh, every yeah, every bad when you got the attitude every bad class is a good class even you're like oh, I'm not going to do that again mm. I remember the other night I took um, there was like five girls that came around they're all mates and I remember on retreat we did at the end of the retreat we did a thing where before relaxation or after this dance kind of thing where we we didn't know what we were going to do and at one point each person laid on the floor and they got a massage by the other four or five people and it was quite a cool at the time it was great fun and everyone kind of knew each other and they had that week to bond I was like oh, I'll try something different for relaxation tonight and they're all mates and I did the the massage thing but it was just a bit weird it was really <laughs> weird <laughs> I don't think I'll be doing it again but yeah it's funny that idea in my head how it was going to play out and I think this, it, still, it was still good it was fine and I'm probably just um, but yeah without trying those things you just don't you don't know I mean a lot of times the students don't really even care no that's the thing they don't <laughs> notice that's some of the worst classes I've had that I felt I've had people wouldn't even know like even if you get missed sequences missed words miss the wrong song plays whatever it is which I think is important that story you tell yourself Whereas what's actually happened, what's what's actually real, what are you just fabricating? Yeah. Well, that's cool. So then you're teaching... Yeah, because I think I went to one of your classes probably when I, when I came back. It was... It was good, like, you had a good command of the class and the breathing stuff was really strong and... It felt like... Yeah, you were a teacher. Like, it wasn't ad hoc or... Yeah. Yeah, so I think like for the first for the first while my focus was on not having you know, completing all my sentences properly. Mm. Not saying you're not making verbal mistakes, but students don't actually really care about that. But I kinda wanted to do like, you know, if I was getting marked in like a perfect class or something. But I kinda let go of that. And I think the thing for me when I knew I was able to teach well was when people I knew would come into the class and it wouldn't bother me. Mm. Like, um, <clears throat> reasonably early on, a lady, I, you know, this is the first person I taught outside, that I knew outside of yoga. I'd, um, what's Nick Brown's mother-in-law. Like. <laughs> Wendy Bailey. And she'd also been, when I coached hockey, she was my manager. Yeah. So I knew her pretty well. But yeah, and she came in and I just taught a normal class. And, Sometimes I'd wind back. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Some of the things I I might say if I was if I was feeling quite spiritual, sometimes I might wind it back. Yeah. But um, you know, yeah, felt comfortable teaching. You know, and it's quite good when like with the Shibananda class. This is the class. Yeah. I just teach it. You know. If yeah. Th this is what I practice. If if this doesn't suit you or whatever, then you know, yeah, it's fine. Yeah, there's a, a kind of... I have confidence in what I'm doing. Yeah. And if other people don't like it, then I know it's just a personal thing. You know, I know what I'm doing worked for me. And so, that, yeah, there's... Yeah. I think that is a good... Even one of the instructors, I think, Troy, I was training under, said when 
you can teach the same sequence your whole life and make it good. Mm. Like, and then you get to some class and you, you get someone different and you think, oh, maybe I should cater it because they're going to be wanting this. Mm. And it's like, you just, you're not going to please anyone trying to please everyone. Mm. Yeah. Yeah, it's a good, it's a good sequence. I guess you know it inside and out now too, which is probably quite nice. Yeah, I've still, I am starting to play around with it a little bit more in terms of putting in more variations and bits and mm. pieces here and there, and how I put those variations in. But sometimes I still just do the, st the standard twelve postures, yeah. and that's still a nice class. But I think there's so much. Like someone who can really master just one thing really well. The fun is in just jumping to like the difficult poses in regards to yoga, but I think I just noticed like even the pleasure of trying to master a plank or a mm. just down dog and just holding that the whole time. I really don't know. I don't know how many I've done now, but I really don't. I still don't know it. Mm. Um, or pretend pretend to it just kind of working to try and make it better but those fundamental postures or fundamentals to anything I think are quite I still always think they're a waste of time you know you want to skip it and anyone can do it but there's constant refinement kind of freedom in that form eh? yeah the down the down dog's a good one because mm. yeah for me I'm still not in it I'm not in that posture when I'm doing it yeah yeah, it's, I'm always, I always feel like slightly one-sided or you're thinking of one thing and then something else goes and it's... Like I haven't had that feeling, you know, that realisation like, oh, this is how it should feel. Yeah. I think sometimes you can be assisted into a posture and you just get that glimpse of what yeah. it's like when it's, it's like you're in the zone in sporting terms, I guess, when it's just pure, you're just completely in it. Yeah, I don't know if I've had that. You know, when you push down on my hands um, when we're doing it, that felt more like where I should be, but I mm. still didn't feel like I was quite, you know, my legs probably, you know, I felt my upper body was getting closer, but my legs were still, you know, not, still quite restrained. I think that's the part, like, that's why you can't, it's tough to get out of a self-practice is those glimpses of what it, someone else can give you a different perspective or a different assist or something and anything I guess is to have a master or a guru or someone who can get you just moving forward in the right direction or give you a glimpse of where you could be mm. and then um, yes now you're, now you're teaching and looking at I know we've talked about trying to do stuff with kids and you're looking at counselling or um, trying to take into other parts of life. Yeah, so that's kind of the end goal dream. So I still have my, you know, my kind of in, in I think it is important to have some kind of a, a, a dream to look forward to. Mm. So then I do have some kind of a, a direction. Um, but yeah, I feel like perhaps I could just teach yoga. Well, I feel like I kind of want something more than just teaching yoga. 
Because um, in a yoga class, it's kind of like a university lecture. You stand mm. up the front, you talk, the students possibly listen. <laughs> <laughs> and you're talking to a class rather than talking to a person. Yeah. So sometimes I kind of feel it lacks that, that, you know, that personal connection. And that's one of the reasons why I think I might like to get into counselling because it's, you know, it's, it's, it's very personal. Yeah. Um, and I guess that's your attribute we are talking about before, how you're good at listening and you've been doing the courses recently on non-violent communication and you obviously got a skill and appetite for that kind of work. Yeah, I guess you find these things that you're excited about and you don't really yeah. know why and yeah. that's one of the things for me. Um, funny because it's kind of almost, yeah, it's like kind of what we've said before, it's, I could see this as a lack in myself that these are things that I haven't been particularly good at but instead I'm saying this is like, this is a growth path for me. Mm. There's room for lots of growth here. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. There's that, when you make that mental switch just to look at everything as a positive or an opportunity, it's, and the world looks differently. And, and we're talking before about looking at people and, and thinking success or that kind of path only for that kind of person or that's not you and, it's like, why can't you be, like, just let those attributes you do have shine and, and, um, yeah, just be gravitated and, and make the most of them, mate. It's like, I don't know why you're afraid or what are those barriers that, that stop you heading towards your kind of strengths, what they are. been yesterday going to this, this talk by a counsellor but I thought counselling is something I can excel at you know this is something yeah. I can be really good at I don't know if I've you know I don't really had that idea before like with being a lawyer I didn't think I was going to be the world's best lawyer or anything <laughs> and as a yoga teacher I'm happy with the way I teach I don't feel like I'm going to shake up the world with the way I teach, you know. Mm. But counselling, I feel well, and because the way I teach is based on, you know, it's pretty formulaic in the Shivananda sequence in the way you mm. teach. Quite a lot of Shivananda teachers are pretty similar. Um, but yeah, with counselling, I can have my own approach for how some, you know, how I'm going to assist someone's mental well-being, mm. and I can. Yeah, and you're, you're, it's just like being the best you, eh? It's where you can be just operating, like all your attributes have been fully utilised and you're growing and you're sharing it and and where is that space like, mm. to be operating in? And like I said, that, I mean, you mentioned that I help inspire you to do yoga and that's, like that's reconfirms that I'm on the right path and yeah. to hear that from someone else and I think like I found what you're you're doing really inspiring too. But it's funny that one 
when it when it's in your heart and you know it's true and then someone tells you it and it just clicks and it's like the simplest thing that I was writing some blurb to is I think this is a stupid text and I wrote this massive elaborate text about nothing and I was like oh so I should probably stop sending you like <laughs> just this creative writing and she's like no that's what you're good at why would you yeah. stop doing that yeah. and I was like that meant so much to me and I'm like well I'm going to do a blog I'm just going to keep writing doing this now just for one person saying that one person you respect just to say that to you to, to put you on to change your whole life yeah yeah so like yeah I've said to you that I want to teach yoga to kids and that kind of thing and that I also want to be involved in sports but I also f- I find it difficult envisaging myself doing that, especially the yeah. sports thing for some reason. Like I'd, a number of times I thought about, you know, it'd be nice to be like the um, the yoga teacher for the Taranaki Rugby Union or something like that. <laughs> but I can't really envisage myself being there. Yeah. And But yesterday, after talking to you, when I went home and saw my mum, I said, but I can see Doug doing this. I can see <laughs> Doug going into the schools and, you know, getting involved in these things. Yeah, so it's... I think, yeah, to distinguish between those... You do have those dreams or thoughts, but they're just, they're just that. Like, they're, they're a bit cheap. Like, till you actually start doing them, you actually know whether it's it's you or not. Yeah, you know, yeah. Like, it sounds nice. It sounds like something I'd like to do, but, yeah, would I really feel comfortable? Would I feel like, I was, you know, this is who I am, this is what I'm doing? Yeah. Right I think that's a good point, but yeah, I really liked. I mean, I'm a bit the same too with the we're talking about the kids thing, and because I think both of us agreed on the they like, don't get taught thinking skills or mental skills or self awareness at school or any of these kind of concepts or even you know even the idea of a career. What the hell does that mean? Like. You don't question why you make certain decisions, and that's not taught at schools. And I just feel I want to play a part in trying to get that to a school, mm. or like, and so yeah, if whether that's like a facilitator role, or it's like coming up with a plan, or like, you know, looking at you to consult something to put together a meditation plan or something. Mm. I don't know. There's a different role than maybe the one you. Like, there's an end goal, but it's pretty vague. Mm. It's, like, weird. And your role in that could just completely change, completely. And, um, yeah, to start doing it, I think. I mean, it's a bit like, maybe that's the theme of this podcast, because you don't know where, you, where it's going to actually do it. And it might be rubbish, or... It, it's going to lead you in, the, in a good direction, though. Yeah, like, you try something out, it doesn't work. You find out that it doesn't work. You try yeah. something else. Yeah, and waiting... And, and to think about it and to construct what all the possibilities in your head does no I think it does very little service to anyone because it's just going to change it's going to change by the first step you take every thought you've had is probably going to be out the window um, which is kind of why maybe these vague ideas are good like yeah. I do, do still think I'd like to do something with kids and I think if I do end up going down this counselling role, then that would, I think, I'd feel I had the background to then mm. go into schools and say, hey, I'm, I'm 
you know, I've got this training, I can do this stuff, you know. Well, I guess it's come from more of a place of heart than thought, maybe. Yeah, that, like, like, it feels right as opposed to, like, I feel like this is the direction I want to go into as opposed to thinking I could be doing that or this or... Yeah, it's, it's interesting, like, when you make a decision or you think you've made a decision that's not right for you, or I've made decisions that are, or part made decisions that weren't right for me, for me and I've felt the agitation, mm. you know, <laughs> I've known something isn't quite right. Yeah. But yeah. Yeah. I guess that's when you find out when you are going in the right direction when you don't mm. have that agitation. Yeah. And that all just comes from experience. For me, I think, you yeah, think, I was talking about a model of thinking less, doing more, and then like the power of something like a slogan like Nike's of just do it, mm. like and what she comes from just doing something, you just learn so much, and uh, and any stress or anxiety of what it could, I think you talked about the problem's not a problem if you're solving it. Mm. And if you're thinking about it and you can't do anything about it, then what's the... You're just giving yourself all this anxiety over nothing. Um, yeah. Especially when I think how short life is or whatever it is that you can use to motivate yourself to just get started on something. Um, whether it's a good or bad motivation, I heard about a guy who got to Eastern philosophy or, or some kind of meditation because he thought he might be able to undress girls or or read minds or do like his reasons for getting into it were so so misdirected but then it yeah just opened up this whole new world for him I think sometimes it's quite quite good I've used I often used the emotion of I know songwriters do of breakups or those real negative emotions to do something physically quite strong just rechannel that energy and then yeah, but just through the pat when you're sitting there just thinking, always find it's tough. Mm. Yeah, and then the the spirituality side. How much of a part does that play? Yeah, I find that quite. I find it quite funny because I. I was saying to Harry when we were fly fishing, I don't really think of myself as a spiritual person. Yeah. But Ishwari, who I lived with at the yoga center, thought that I was quite a spiritual person. So it's just kind of, it depends on, I don't really understand what the word spirituality would mean, but I have certain approaches and certain practices that obviously people class as spiritual. Mm -hmm. And I guess sometimes when I talk in class, and you know, you know, you know you're saying things are slightly strange. <laughs> <laughs> Did you have that? I remember hearing that when you first start meditating, you realise you're just crazy. Or everyone's crazy. Or that you're inherently strange to begin with. I think it's just a... The spiritual... Pre it is just a strange place. Unless you know someone's experienced something similar, mm. then... When you're talking to someone cold about spiritual things, it can be quite weird. 
Yeah, if you get if you get the right situation, I might have the first time I went to Satsang and I looked around and people were chanting Sanskrit mantras and everyone was playing the harmonies like what's going on here? <laughs> and but then I came to then I then I thought, but these people are singing. I can sing too, you know. They don't care. So but even even then, like months down the track, we like on a Saturday. This is when I was still working. On a Saturday afternoon, we had um, I know satsang for I said Diwali or something, some Indian holiday. Um, and so I was playing. For some reason, Ram asked me if I'd play the harmonium. So I played the harmonium and led the chanting. I just thought, imagine if my friends could see me doing this. <laughs> yeah, but. If I allowed myself, if I, you know, if I said talk to my friends about, you know, like, oh, I did this crazy thing, you know, and they'll say, you know, that's nuts. But, you know, if I said, like, you know, I've done this, I enjoy it, I don't really care what you think, then a lot of the time people respect you more. Yeah, I think this, like you are saying to earlier about being gravitated to people who are, who you respect for whatever reason. A couple of Christian friends were a bit like that. They weren't. They didn't apologize for what they did, mm. and I'd go to church and hear them speak, and they'd speak openly. And man, you just respected it, and, you, and I wanted to be a Christian just so I could be like them. Mm. Um, yeah, when you're not when you're not shy away from it, it's quite people gravitate to it and they respect you more for it. But I also think people uh, continually surprise you with how. People I don't think, someone emailed me the other day about meditation and, th- and I just thought it was kind of the last person I'd expect to get an email from about that kind of thing. I think, yeah, the distractions or whatever it is that, 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 that just keep themselves from going to that place. But I think everyone's kind of got it within them. Mm. Yeah. And whether it starts at a church or a yoga, like a yoga room's often quite a, can be a nice place to let go. Well, yeah, it can be quite a comfortable place to, to start that journey, I guess. Oh, well, maybe we should wrap it up. Yes, I think. Parting wisdom. <laughs> What's the final message? I think they. I mean, I, I do feel the experience things quite, quite good and following, following your heart. Because you, would, you wouldn't look at that lawyer job as a negative thing, right? You'd, no, I learned a lot from that. I think there's nothing bad. It just keeps leading you in the right, in a direction. And the more you do, the more you get pointed in, in the right direction. Yeah, I found out that wasn't for me. So I stopped doing it. <laughs> <laughs> Cool. Oh, I might wrap it up there then. She's dead. She's dead. Good. <laughs> I wonder how long it was. That's quite a while. 78 minutes. Gosh. It's pretty easy to talk. Like if, if you structured something, if you just had like bullet points, you know, we're going to talk about this. Well, I was thinking. <laughs> and and, oh, I and was... then you stepped like. 
Yeah, like if you say, okay, and we're just gonna stay like within reason within certain things. It's kind of good to go away a bit, but yeah. Well, I was thinking someone's like from for you. Well, for me, looking at you, is that transition from being like a lawyer to a yoga teacher? Yeah. I guess that's a life journey. It's like what little decisions along the way made that happen. Yeah. And so I guess that's the narrative and then you just stray off that and then come back to that what part of the story what part of your life we 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 were at. Yeah. Yes. I one of the reasons I stopped being a lawyer was probably because I was dissatisfied with life outside of work. Because I was trying to live the normal life but I didn't have I wasn't enjoying I could I could do the work part alright. Yeah. I was so bored on the weekends. I just had to fill up my time with yoga or exercise and, and then yeah, doing yoga and help me realise that I don't need to have a story to tell about what I did on the weekend. Mm. Yeah, you can't, you can't justify your decisions to someone or... But... I find it interesting doing this. Somehow you know... You, being recorded yeah. maybe like yeah it's just just it's talk possible, slightly differently talk yeah. yeah it's funny like it's a bit like say the teacher's voice in yoga when you get to the front of the class and then suddenly you're a slightly different person mm. and for whatever reason not yeah not not good or bad but I remember when Dad used to take the, take the sky, take the rugby, and he'd be like, we'll watch an hour later, recorded. No one will know the difference. I'm like, no, I know. It's a recording. Like, I know I can fast forward it. It's not the same. Mm. It's not the same. Like, um, But, yeah, it's, it's quite funny doing yoga with someone, like, just a friend, and then, A, teaching or talking, or... Mm. It's, it's kind of a mix, yeah. yeah. But you don't, I think there's something nice about being a, stru- a bit structured, like someone has to teach and, sit and someone has to follow, otherwise it's, you're just mucking around maybe a bit. Well, I like going to the gym and seeing Josh and just being like, all right, what's your program today? I'm going to do whatever you say. And then equally doing the opposite, you know. Yeah, that's have, what I used to do with my gym buddy. One day we'd do mine, one day this. I enjoy it with the yoga too. Or when it was with Jack Lee, just whatever Jack Lee said. <laughs> <laughs> well, it's funny, yeah, I'm interested to hear how the recording comes out. It's so funny how you talk differently. <laughs> Who wants to be normal anyway, I say? Talk, talk differently, way. act differently, be weird. Weird's the way. I'd say way. Hope you enjoyed that one. That was Darren Smith, dug it, episode 11, but episode 1 in terms of when it was actually recorded. Um, still trying to find a way to speak authentically without sounding like a bit of a douchebag. Work in progress, but I don't know why I keep saying work in progress. It just kind of goes without saying, doesn't it? It does. Anyway, hope you enjoyed it. Hope you dug it. Check out Darren's like little Excel format on uh, kind of analysing your life and day. It's a uh, little Excel doc spreadsheet I'll uh, put in the show notes it's pretty tip top and um, yeah 
wish the guy all the best with his counselling and stuff. He's a top bloke. I'm going to catch up with him this Christmas. So maybe we can uh, re-record, find out kind of his insights into the counselling and and uh, how that's maybe affected his teaching and what have. Um, and whether he feels alive, I think he does. He looks like a pretty happy man to me at the moment. Through the Facebook feed. No, he's actually sent me a few messages lately, so good to hear from him. Reach out to a friend. Tell him... Uh, Tell them something you like. There's a game we played the other night called Warm and Fuzzies where you just go around the dinner table, one of the best drinking games ever. You just say hi, uh, say something nice to the person next to you. And, uh, oh, makes the dinner pretty spectacular pretty quickly. Um, and I just realised I forgot to get any insights from Darren on philosophy. And he is a bit of a guru in that area, so maybe we can uh, touch off that subject next time too. And also check out that Excel document he's put together. It's a, it's a doozy up to kind of good start on how to maybe structure an analysis of your day and week. Um, it's, uh, as I think Tim Ferriss would say, it's what you measure, that you care about. Maybe that's why there's so many analysts boys at home with uh, the rulers out in the bedroom. Trying to get a length of, uh, length of things, get a grip. Um, it's a bad joke. That wasn't even a joke. A joke would be saying that I needed the meter ruler. Mum, can you grab the meter ruler? We're going to measure something. Something, something important. Um, but yeah, it is. It is good to measure things. Also, good to feel alive in whatever you do. So if there's something, you just go through that routine. Actually, I'm not going to give advice, you know, you know how you feel. Um, that's all for now. If you want, uh, remember Organic Mechanic Kombucha, great Christmas gift. <laughs> Stocking stuffer. It's uh, going to feed the microbiome, stuff that too. Feeds a fibre and uh, you create it with the fermented food. So Organic Mechanic Kombucha, it's the good stuff. The nectar of the gods. 20% off with Dugget. Um, that's about it for me. Hope you dug it. Uh, that's what dug at the promo code. You can't just say it in the ether and get 20% off. You could try it. You could go into the coffee shop today or the organic shop, ask for organic mechanic from Butcher, just say dug it. They'll probably look at you a bit weird. Um, probably won't do anything else, but they might be intrigued. You could tell them about the podcast and then uh, go online and then get the 20% off. Or you could just go straight online. So, either way, enjoy the booch. Enjoy the day. Have a wonderful Christmas and. Uh, whatever else you got planned and speak soon as always think less experience more lots of love adios I don't even know what adios means either sounds Spanish I think it's goodbye or we'll go for ciao for now also to the Italian listeners and au revoir for the French goodbye for those in English and I'll wave for the universal language of goodbye those who can see me in the houses across the motorway. I want to dance to the end of the song just because it feels so good. So you should do the same. Why not? Yoga, 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 yoga. Not gonna be a singer anytime sooner. Sooner, 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 sooner. Deggy signal Atma, Banoge Mahatma, Darshan de Paramatma, Ji
सफल कर योगा योगा शुरू करो तुम योगा जैसे चाहो बदन तुम्हारा होगा योगा 